It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 21st of January. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Jazz on a six-game win streak, exactly as they should. A player whose improvement is noticeable and should be talked about. The return of Ricky and a Monday Western Conference status check. It's all coming up. On today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, and geeky numbers. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on Jazz. I am currently doing this show in the middle of a snow globe. Uh, it is Monday morning, Martin Luther King Day. And it is just puking snow uh, outside my house right now. So we'll make one trip down for shoot-around, stay down there, debate whether it's worth going up to solitude to try to sneak a few runs in, and uh, see. All right, let's talk about the six-game win streak. I want to talk about the improvement of a player. Uh, I want to talk about Ricky's return and then run around the uh, Western Conference as we do every Monday. Today's show is brought to you by Slow the Flow. Iron Gate Global Advisors, and Murdoch Chevy. Uh, the Jazz have won six in a row, blew out Cleveland the other night. The story to me is the defense. In the six-game win streak, the defensive ratings, reminder, anything under 100, you win about 89% of the time. Uh, I probably should do the next level. If you get under about 97, what does it mean? League average is about 108. Recently, league average has been about 110. This is a huge offensive explosion in the league. And the Jazz uh, defensive ratings in the six-game win streak are a 96, an 86, a 96, a 91, a 103, only because, 0.7 only because they it happened in garbage time, and a 92 against Cleveland. That's really incredible. Uh, The Jazz have held, since December 12th, the Jazz have held all but five opponents under 100 points per possession. Detroit was at 101, and and the Clippers were at 103 in a game that was such a blowout that it got there. In that time frame, the Jazz defense is four points per 100 possessions better than the next best defense in the league. And according to Cleaning the Glass, the median defense in the league, 15th, Washington, is a 111, is 12 points better than the average defense in the league. Since According to Cleaning the Glass, since December 12th, the Jazz are at 99.3. Milwaukee's at 103.5. Indiana's at 106. So they're nearly seven points better than the third best, which is the same difference between the third best and the 23rd best defense in the NBA. Now, some of this, quite honestly, is a bit unnatural. The effective field goal percentage of opponents is 43%, and there's some aspects to what, you know, some of the shooting numbers that we always talked about earlier this year when I said, hey, these are unnatural don't worry about it. They'll come back to benefit us. 
are actually a little bit the other way. Now, some of this is just playing not as good teams. You know, so the discussion we've had all season long about playing not as good teams um, has has kicked in. The, uh, here's what's real about what's going on with the Jazz defense. And that is that money ball aspect we talk about all the time. Since December 12th, the Jazz have allowed the eighth fewest shots at the rim and the third fewest amount of threes. The Jazz have now allowed the fewest threes per game of any team in the NBA. They And they defend the rim. So just by definition, the numbers are such a big difference between mid-range shots and good shots that that makes you a good defensive team. The Jazz are 29th in the league, which is good, at forcing mid-range shots. The Jazz are allowing, forcing 37% of opponent's shots as mid-range shots. Only San Antonio's forcing more. Where some of the unnatural stuff might be taking place is some of the shooting numbers aren't great. So teams are only shooting 34% on short mid-range shots. Now, that's Rudy also. So that's just not totally unnatural. They're shooting 54% at the rim, which is the second best. That's Rudy. And the best is Milwaukee, who sits back and has Brooke Lopez back there. And the third best is Miami, who sits back there with Hassan Whiteside. So there's actually some logic here. And then uh, teams are actually hitting the corner three at such a high rate, even though we don't allow them, that our overall three-point shooting percentage is 36. So it's not crazy. It's not as crazy. Actually, it's evened out a little bit. When I looked at it last time, there was some unnatural. This is not as unnatural as I thought it was going to be because some people have hit some shots against us recently. But above the break three, we're 10th, and actually league average is 35.6. We're 35, so that shouldn't change a lot. And the, the areas and where we're unnatural are completely defined by Rudy. So that's pretty exciting. Now, before we get too crazy... The same way I think I profess pretty heavily, don't go too nuts when we were losing. The six-game win streak is against teams that, that aren't winning. Andy Larson tweeted it out that they're combined 17-43 and 43 in their last 10 games. Well, Donovan's got to play the point. Eh, hold the horses a little bit. While our defensive rating has been amazing... Our offensive rating in these Donovan games against Orlando was a 107, below average. Lakers was a 101.7. They're good defensively. Against Chicago was a 108. They're not very good defensively. That's below average. Against Detroit was a 97. It's not good. Clippers was great. That was the best game they've had. And against Cleveland, who's the worst defensive team in the history of the NBA, it was a 112. That, that's not great. So in five of the six games we played without Ricky, with Donovan at the point, it felt good. It looked good. And the, and the reason for that is because of, I think, the, who you were playing. Do I think there's something to Donovan at the point guard that has opened things up for him? Yes. Does he get the ball coming downhill in an attack? Yes. Is the offense shown that it's better with Donovan at the point guard? No. That is not shown that to be true. Um, you know, if you if we want to go to 
lineup data for the Utah Jazz and just go play with this, I can prove it. I don't want to say it's a – I think that what you see – you'll see this more and more. I think that Quinn has seen something that helps Donovan, and helping Donovan is super important to us. But if I go put in and clean the glass that Donovan Mitchell is my point guard – and that Ricky Rubio is off the floor, and that Howell Neto is off the floor, and I probably should have Dante Exum off the floor, we'll do it twice, and run that lineup. Our offensive rating during that period of time is a 106.3, 27th percentile of all lineups. Now, the defense is un. Believable, 96.2, and that's why it feels that way. If we eliminate Dante, and so you just have Donovan playing with, it doesn't, it actually gets worse, 104.9 in the 20th percentile. So the offense really against not very good teams has not been great. And that's, I think, super important to understand. Um, as Ricky returns, and let's talk about Ricky's return because it seems imminent. If it's not today, it's going to be, you know, Wednesday. If he practiced yesterday, it sure seems as though he's awfully close uh, and without any setbacks of going today against Portland or Wednesday against Denver. I also want to talk about a super improved player who I actually think is the bigger story the last six days uh, when we continue. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Slow the Flow. In the past 20 years, Utah's weather has been a streaky shooter. We're not Kyle Korver. We're streaky. Some years it's a splash. Others, it's very little. So we're a little Jay Crowder-esque. And when you combine Utah's streaky shooting in dry summers, you get serious water worry, which is why there's something we can all do to slow the flow. You might be thinking, Locke, you just said earlier today you are doing this show inside of a uh, s- snow bubble or whatever you call it. Uh, yeah, I am. But you'd be surprised how much it still matters, even though in the winter. Go to slowtheflow.org. They have plenty of things you can do to conserve water in the house, like shortening your shower time. The numbers don't lie. If you shower just one minute less every day, you save 1,875 gallons of water each year. Or even better, if you are switched to an ultra-low flow showerhead, you can save as much as 2.5 gallons every minute you shower. You're a big fan of Utah, right? So do Utah a favor. Head to slowtheflow.org and find out ways you can save water. It's something we all can do. Slow the flow. Save H2O. Hope you got to the big event over at Murdoch Chevy and Murdoch Hyundai on the 19th. But if you didn't, the new year means it's time for a new ride. 0% APR on all 2018 models. I drove the Chevy Equinox. It was terrific for Murdoch Chevy. Loved it. Great. Uh, actually, I thought how well made it was and how quiet it was really jumped out to me. Uh, super controls in the front. Uh, $6,000 off a 2019 Chevy Equinox. Not 2018, 2019. You can lease a 2019 Chevy Equinox for just $289 a month with $995 down. You can lease a 2019 Colorado, which I also drove. It's the smaller truck. 
super versatile, super fun to have for three ninety five a month with a twelve hundred down, and also receive five hundred dollars off select models. Murdoch is your home for affordable winter ready vehicles. Stop in, test drive one today. Find new roads at Murdoch Chevy in Logan, in Woods Cross, and get started at Murdoch Chevrolet Logan. Com. Say hi to Tyson when you stop by Murdoch Chevy for me as well. My improved player is Royce O'Neal. Uh, Royce O'Neal is so much of a better player right now than he was a year ago. And the adaptation he had early in the year where I think he was really struggling with some of the rules and trying to figure out what it meant. Uh, he has now developed fabulously. First of all, rim finishing. He's at 62% at the rim right now. That's one, very good, and two, a mammoth, mammoth improvement on where he was a year ago. A year ago, coming in a little too hot, maybe too much speed, coming in at the rim and unable to finish, and even earlier this year it felt that way a tiny bit. But now... Breaking at the 45, getting on top of the rim. Uh, I, I think Royce has shown an ability to finish at the rim that's vastly improved. And then his shooting is through the roof right now. Now, you remember in college at Baylor, in limited attempts, he was a plus 40% three-point shooter. He didn't take a lot. He took like 62 his junior year and like 100 is 110 or so. But he was 40 4%, I think, in his two years at Baylor, over 183s. And now, all of a sudden, that's clicked in. He's our best above-the-break three-point shooter. Sure, I'd rather have Kyle shoot it, but just statistically, he's our best above-the-break three-point shooter. I mean, he's just, is, is, his rim finishing, according to basketball reference, so there he's zero to three feet, is from up from 58 to 68%. His three-point shooting is from 36 to 42. And to me, what might be the biggest find that the Jazz have discovered in this period without Ricky is how good Royce O'Neal is when playing with better players. So his last five games, 10 points a game, 49% from the field, 50% for three, plus 73 in five games. He's actually, when you go back to the offseason, I talked about players I would like next to Donovan Mitchell. And I actually talked about Reggie Bullock from Detroit. Limited ball handler, big, strong physical guard, can knock down an open shot if he gets it. Great catch and shoot guy, can defend a guard if necessary to relieve the pressure on Donovan. That that was my makeup of the perfect player to play next to Donovan if Donovan's playing with the ball in his hands is is what I just described. Physical, defensive-minded, catch-and-shoot guy. Royce is getting awfully close to that. His catch-and-shoot stuff is just money right now. And the growth is terrific. It's really cool. His catch and shoot numbers are 44%. A year ago, his catch and shoot numbers were 35%. 
Same amount. It's really cool. That's work. That's just effort. That's commitment to your task and understanding who you are and, and becoming a player. So I don't know what the find is there. But honestly, I'd be pretty comfortable finishing games with Royce O'Neal at this point. Late in games. I don't know how you don't finish with Ricky when he's fully healthy and doing all of that stuff. But I could feel, I'd feel very comfortable with finishing with Royce O'Neal as a defensive-minded player on the floor as a catch-and-shoot guy. He's really becoming, to me, the perfect complement to who Donovan is. You know who he's become? Does anybody remember the player Devin George, I think was his name? I think that's right. Devin George was a six foot six player out of I think he, he went to a small college, got drafted by the Lakers in the first round, and kind of was I mean he had a ten year NBA career. Shot thirty four percent from three in a different era. Averaged like six, seven points a game, but he was a tough defensive mind. He was a key player on three championship teams. Like, I mean this as a compliment. Maybe some other people will. I like Devin George. Like, I think Royce O'Neal can be Devin George. Devin George started a little less than I thought, but I'm not sure Royce O'Neal's an NBA starter unless in the perfect circumstance. But that Devin George played 1,000 NBA games. This is, or 630 NBA games. This is a compliment. He won three rings in his early part of his career, and he you know, played on the last championship team, played 17, 18 minutes a game. Maybe Royce will turn out to be better than Devin George, but not, you know, not every one of your guys can be like a star. So I, I sometimes like to find a player that's not a star and compare him to that. Yeah, he went to some very small school in Minnesota. Kind of was a s- surprise. And, and so undrafted, he was drafted, but a surprise. So there's some similarities. Um, to Royce. All right, Ricky is expected to return either if he practiced yesterday, you can kind of we can we've all done this enough. Um, one of these next few days. Um, I think my guess is he'll be on some sort of a restriction. Uh, and be with coming off a hamstring and so that gets to be a little bit of a dance for Quinn, so I wouldn't expect how he's used early to be an indicator of how he's going to be used um, moving forward, if that makes sense. I think that you you might see him, you know, if you've got a guy on a 24-minute restriction or an 18-minute restriction or something like that, it's really hard to play him or even if, you know, if it's lower in a manner without having him sit for too long a period of time. You don't want him to play short snippets. So if he's at like 18 minutes, you'd really like him to probably play you know, six, seven-minute stretches to get that done. It's a little hard on how you do that. So I would suspect that Quinn has to do a little bit of a delicate dance uh, in that regard. The other one on Ricky is, let's remember he's playing pretty well. You know, Ricky was, um, had kind of clicked in and was, particularly the game he got hurt, he was torching the Milwaukee Bucks. But if you dig into you know his month by month, he started the year terribly. Uh, but he had started to kind of come around a little bit. His 
his field goal percentage in seven games in October was a dreadful 31%. Then it went to 39 in November. In December, it was at 42. And in four games in January, it was at 45. So 31 to 39 to 42 to actually 46. His three-point shooting got from 32 to 38 in December. The weird one on Ricky is how poorly he plays at home. He's, play, he's shooting 34% at home and 48, 44% on the road. And his three-point shooting's a little better on the road, too. This is not entirely new. He did this last year, too. 44% at home on the road, excuse me, 39% at home, and his three-point shooting was 12 percentage points better on the road than it was at home. So since Ricky has come to Utah... He's been a far better road player than home player. The other aspect of Ricky goes just simply back to, you know, we've talked about this a million times. Ricky's got to make that layup early in the game. You know, he's not a great player at the rim. And if he makes that layup earlier in the game, it opens things up. You know, the numbers guy in me would like less of the mid-range shots. That just doesn't add up, but I get you can't just not shoot. Uh, tonight, he I don't know how much he'll guard Dame, but it's an interesting matchup because Dame has either been, you know, annihilated us or not. The game where he really went off for the for the franchise record, though, I don't think Ricky played. Dame was nine in his last games against Ricky. Dame was nine of twenty-one, seven of sixteen, had a good game, thirteen and twenty-five for thirty-six, seven of eighteen, twelve of twenty-seven, seven of twenty-one. This goes back to Minnesota, back to back seven twenty-one. So in the last. Six, seven matchups between Rubio and Lillard for whatever weird reason. Ricky causes Dame some problems. I don't suspect they'll match up a great deal. You, you got to be a little careful bringing a guy in off a hamstring and having him go right to that matchup. Portland comes in with really the story for Portland right now is how well Nurkic is playing. They're really good. They're 28 and 19. They're we've hammered them twice this year. 51 points in the two games we've played them, which is just a crazy number. Defies the go get a third one from tonight would be a mammoth win to go get the third game from them. They've been bouncing around a little bit. The key to them, frankly, since Christmas is they got three overtime wins that have swung their season. They beat Dallas, Golden State, and Sacramento in overtime. Had they not gotten those games, I don't know how they feel. But they've done kind of something similar to us. They got a soft schedule, took advantage of it, had some good wins as well. They beat Philly at home by 30. Won that overtime game in Sacramento on the first. Then they lost to the Thunder. Got a nice win against the Rockets at home. They're really good at home. And then they got New York, Chicago, Charlotte. Boom, boom, boom. Blasted them all. Went to Denver, lost. Went to Sacramento again, lost. Back to back. Came home against Cleveland, beat them. Had a great win against New Orleans the other night. Now they go on the road. Tonight they have us. The brutal one is tomorrow they play Oklahoma City on a back-to-back at OKC. OKC is the worst team in the league to play on a back-to-back. And a Utah OKC back-to-back is about the worst there is in the league. So Portland needs tonight because they don't have no chance tomorrow. And then we see them again on the 30th. They'll have had three days off before that one. So they're primed for us here a few times now. 
They have a brutal post-All-Star break. They are on the road from February 21st to March 5th. Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, Charlotte, Memphis. Memphis may be a very different team by then. And then they go back east a second time, Chicago, Atlanta, Detroit, Minnesota. So their travel in the second half of the season is tough. They're playing well. They've been when we've run our which we'll do in a second, our Monday kind of numbers, looking at teams and what they're doing, they've always been the team that like looks like they're going to be good. Over the last 10 games, their differential is an 8.2 efficiency differential. Over the last 15 games, it's a 5.5. So that's the fifth best over the last 10 games, the seventh best over the last 15 games. Their offense has clicked in. They're the ninth best offense over the last 15 games, the fifth best defense. They're really good. I think they're kind of the forgotten team. They were the number three seed last year, the number four seed this year. Dame's incredible. Not shooting the three brilliantly right now. 29% over the last 10 games, but they do everything really well. They don't turn it over. They they offensive rebound at a high level. They do all the little things. They defend the shot great. Don't foul you. They rebound great. They just they don't force turnovers. You can't force turnovers against them. Let's look around the NBA Western Conference next. But first, let me let you know a little bit about what Spencer Nelson, former Jazz training camp player, Utah State Aggie star, Utah Aggie State coach, is doing with his new company that he's working with, Iron Gate Global Advisors. I want to tell you about Iron Gate Global Advisors. A financial group out of Salt Lake City, small shop that understands your journey, aren't pushing products on you, and have a strategy, direction, and process. I found out about them from Spencer Nelson, former Utah State great, who, by the way, has an MBA, accounting and finance background degrees, and worked Wall Street in private equity. And he tells me about the personnel. Brian is the chief investment officer. Brian's a long-term investor, Warren Buffett disciple with a proven track record of active management. He views investing as not trading stocks, but buying pieces of businesses that he believes in. He's focused on not getting caught up in what's hot today or tomorrow, but doing the research, looking one, three, five, even 10 years out with a very patient, methodical approach couple that with brett in his longtime options background and you have a versatile group it's iron gate global advisors to find out more about iron gate financial give spencer a call 888-591-0334 that's 888-591-0334 or email him at spencer at igga.com anytime we're talking investing understand that past performance isn't indicative of future results Also, options may not be for everyone. They have different risks. Make sure you consult a professional before doing anything with them. Do your due diligence. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. 
but then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here. If it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's freshly.com slash locked on NBA. Let's take the Monday status check of our Western Conference teams. How's everyone playing? I always like to run through the last 10 games, just kind of look at efficiency differential. Certainly schedule has a big impact on this, but it gives you an idea of what's going on. The Warriors have exploded. The Warriors' offensive rating in the last 10 games is a 126. Denver and Houston are, and New Orleans and Portland are the top five, the top five offensive teams are all Western Conference teams. Portland's offense has exploded too. But Warriors at 126, Denver's at 120, Houston's at 119, New Orleans at 119, Portland's at 117. We're holding people under 100. That'll be a task against these guys. That's the last 10 games. Defensively, the Jazz are amazing. They this These numbers are a little higher than the clean the glass numbers. They have us at 101. But Milwaukee at 103 and Lakers at 104. Overall, efficiency differential, last 10 games, Portland is number one tied with Utah. So you got the two hottest teams in the Western Conference. With Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell going head-to-head, it's the Jazz Blazers. Pretty good. Tickets available. Western Conference top 10, according to efficiency differential over the last 10 games. Portland 1, Utah 2, New Orleans 3. They're only 5-5, five and five, but it's worth noting. New Orleans, but now Anthony Davis is out for a while with the injury. Denver 4, so they've got it back together, but they're doing it without defense. Portland, uh, Houston 5, San Antonio 6, Thunder 7, Lakers still 8, Clippers falling at 9, how about that? Clippers home for four straight, lose them all, then go on the road and beat San Antonio. Crazy. Dallas 10. Memphis falling. I might have missed somebody. Golden State 1. Portland and Utah. That's why I forgot Golden State. They're on a different level. Portland and Utah 2-3. New Orleans 4. Denver 5. Houston 6. San Antonio 7. Sacramento 8. Sacramento kind of still playing well. Defensively, Denver's 28th in the NBA over the last 10 games, but that's largely because they played that Golden State game. Stretch it out to the last 15. Utah's the number one, Golden State's number two, Portland's three, this is just West, four, Houston, five, San Antonio, six, Denver, seven, New Orleans, eight, Clippers, Thunder, nine right there, Sacramento right there, 10, Lakers, 11, Minnesota slides to 12. Last 15 games, defense, Utah's won. Denver's still 29. You'd like to take out that one game. But the Denver lack of defense is worth noting. New Orleans' lack of defense is worth noting. Offenses are unbelievable right now. So that's where the West sits. 
You know what? Let's do this really quickly. The uh, basketball playoff odds from ESPN at 538. ESPN projects the Warriors, the one seed, Denver, the two, Utah, the three seed at 50 wins. Oklahoma City, four, San Antonio, five, Houston, actually, San Antonio, six, Houston, five, Portland, seven, Clippers at 43 at eight, Lakers at 42 at nine, New Orleans at 10 at 41. My instinct is that New Orleans or the Lakers gets that spot over the Clippers right now. But that's where I had 538, who has the other probably decent projection. And none of these are perfect. They're all too impacted by how you're playing recently. This one has a little bit higher win total numbers. Warriors 1, Nuggets 2, Thunder 3 at 51, Rockets 4 at 50, Jazz 5 at 50. Blazers 6, Spurs 7, Clippers 8, tied with the Lakers. Pelicans 9, Wolves 10. So that's kind of how we see it. Big ones this week. 5 Five big games in a row for the Utah Jazz. Portland, Denver, Minnesota, Minnesota, Portland. Be interesting to see where we sit on the 31st of January. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Locked On NBA has the biggest stories from the local experts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.